Hello and welcome to another episode of Football Unfocused, the world's greatest loosely football related podcast uh, hosted by Mark and Matthew. I'm Mark. Matthew, say hello. Hello, hello, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even do that on purpose. Straight away. Straight away, it's failed. It's failed to get his name right. It's because a message came up on my computer. Saying hello, Matthew. (laughs) So you just read it out. You prompted me. Unbelievable. Uh, Yeah. How how are you, Mark? Really well, thanks. Yeah, so, 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 so well. Um, um, I can only imagine. Yeah, I'll just keep... I'm having a great week. Yeah, it's been a it's been a really really good few days. I'm loving this football season. <laughs> oh mate, it's brilliant. It's early doors. Exactly, it's, quite, it's early doors. I always, I'm, I, I'm not I always quite enjoy. No, I always quite enjoy this part of the season. For you, not that I particularly follow it football, but I'd never have guessed, you mate. Have, you've hidden that well. Yeah, but when you see like Brighton potentially going to Europe, um, you know. As as the table stands well, they are the at the closest moment. there geographically, so I suppose they could do it in a day trip. <laughs> <they? laughs> well, that's probably what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's economising. <laughs> yeah. We really should push for Europe because yeah. uh, it's not. It's only you know what a short dinghy ride. Return. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, short. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so but apart from. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. Yeah, it's early doors, mate. Don't don't get too. That's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's all fine. Matthew, uh, as ever, uh, if you've not listened to this before, we tend to begin uh, episodes of Football Unfocused um, by exploring. You you may have noticed, picked up from the chat early in this episode, that I am um, I'm possibly a little bit more bothered about football than uh, my co-host here. Is so the way of then um, because you do spend a lot of these episodes just listening to me banging on about shit that's rattled my cage. So uh, uh, Matthew's personality is somewhat more mysterious, somewhat more hidden. So I find ways to penetrate that, to penetrate the outer shell and to crack the egg that is Matthew <laughs> by asking these yeah, uh, insightful questions that really get to the heart of what he is and who he is. Question one this week, Matthew. Matthew, what is your favourite and most favoured style of pants? <laughs> uh, that's quite a good question, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm surprised we haven't asked each other that uh, amongst our Just, friendship yeah, group. Well, in put general. it on the list for the next time we uh, have a drink. <laughs> We're running out of chat. <laughs> We've chatted about everything you possibly can. We're all 40 years old now. Uh, we've, you know, we're, we're bored of each other's company, so just oh, something yeah. we've never actually discussed. <laughs> um, so I, I wear uh, brief, tr- brief trunks. Skimpy briefs. Does that makes sense. Skimpy briefs. Not skip uh, trunks, trunks. The trunks yeah. version. Mm. So not boxes. Yeah. What is the difference? Did... So boxes are longer. They got a longer short. Says who? I don't know. Super dry. Well, so where does how from? far down your leg does a trunk have to come before it becomes a boxer? Uh, a little way. So you wear any little inches. ones that are almost, you know, they're just a tad more substantial yeah. than diver shorts. I guess. Shorts. Yeah. So if they, if I was a woman, they'd be called like are they called French briefs or mm. French knickers? So they're they're <laughs> so they're slightly more substantial on the side than say. Like a Y front, like you know, a pants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. they're not as as they don't come down as far as a boxer, which may 
reach no. the top of the thighs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I always I was always quite interested. There was um, a man who um, when I when I used to row and he would get in the shower, he had a I I think it was a jock strap, and he used to wear it. I think in the shower. This I'm is an incredible into, story. But you've ticked so many boxes. I'm not... Rowing, the shower, a man, <laughs> jock strap, jock strap. I mean, what was going on there? And the fact that it stayed in your mind. So you used to well, check out a man vivid. in the shower. He you... was wearing a jock strap. Have you ever seen a man wearing a jock strap? I don't think I have. I'm not even problem. sure. No, exactly. I know what a jock strap looks like. So I think it's when the straps go around the buttock. Right. Opposed to cover, they're just Almost yeah. Like so they're suspenders. two straps. Yeah, <laughs> buttock yeah, yeah. suspenders. That, I guess that's the best way of describing them. But what is the aim of the jock strap? Is to hold hold everything in place? I like, don't know. It, it must cut I your genitals know. quite. Yeah. So mm. there's a there's a <laughs> I don't know, like a cover that does cover does that does provide that support of your genitals, mm. but then effectively the rest of it is just the strap. Mm. It's almost like a I don't know. I guess that's what you'd wear in a in a if you were in a 12, 12 rating film and you were told to get naked, but you put one of those on just to cover your your, what your essentials. An, what an incredible, incredible way of uh, describing. What do you wear? Strap. What do you? Well, yeah, hold on, I think hold on a minute. I'm believe my understanding is the jock strap is intended to keep everything in place during like sporting activity, isn't it? Isn't that the whole point of it? Uh, but your your way get... of describing it is that if you were in a 12A or below rated film and you wanted to suggest nudity, that the man would need to wear a jock strap. <laughs> yeah. So as to ensure I... yes, the, that's the retention right. of modesty. Yeah. I'm going to send you a picture of, of one. Yeah, I mean, I what? Well, well, no, I don't. I don't want to see it. I don't, I don't want to see it. I'm not. I'm not interested in this. Okay. All right. Another time. Yeah. Um, well, because me, Matthew, the question I'd really like to get to the bottom of is with regard to your choice of pants is where do because my, my big frustration with the modern day choice. Now, I, I sent you a picture. I sent you a picture yeah. of a jock Oh strap. yeah. Lovely. That's a cricket. <laughs> that's a cricket box adapted. That's a Grey Nichols one. No. Oh, Grey Nichols okay, is a cricket send- brand. So that's one that can, it's specifically designed to carry a cricket box, but that probably is basically a jog strap. But there's no, yeah. there's no ass. So what? So you wear that under yeah, your yeah, pants. So you wear that and then pants that, over the there's top. There's another one. Oh, that's, that's <laughs> my, slightly, my, my search that's slightly less PG. <laughs> the one he's just sent me there. Um, <laughs> listeners, if you'd seen the image that I've just seen that he that, that he had, he has just sent me, it really does answer a lot of questions um, <laughs> well, I look more at... than I could ever ask. Uh, the thing that frustrates me, Matt, about <laughs> the modern day pan is that they seem to assume that everyone wants to wear briefs, trunks, whatever, that don't have mm. uh, a fly hole. And the amount of the oh, amount yeah. you get now, that they don't even have the sort of the flap where you can find your uh, find your gentleman's agreement oh, like, in between. And do you like the fly hole? Y- y- mate, how do you go? So what happens now? You go into a gent's... Just pull your pants yeah, exactly. You, your so you go into a gent's toilet <laughs> now. In, you know, it was in a pub watching the boxing on, on Saturday night. Every time I went for a piss. It's like walking into a... 
like a, a primary school toilet where you know like kids when they go for piss they pull their pants right down that is what men do now because they are all yeah. wearing these ridiculous pants that don't give you anywhere to flop your old chap out it's ridiculous <laughs> I'm uh, a favour of the old school button fly and they are increasingly impossible to find I have to search high and low and order them <laughs> from whatever uh, crevices of the internet I can possibly find I just can't I hate all this you know <laughs> And also, I don't want to get too uh, uh, detailed here, but I think for genital freshness and hygiene, you know, the more air holes you can have down there, the better for the retention of a uh, a fresh body throughout the day. And uh, these these ultra compressed uh, uh, pants do not provide for that. So that, yeah, that's my beef, Matthew. But, but that clearly doesn't a, bother you. Well, I like the support Ooh. element to it. Yeah. So do you not? Do you not? <laughs> no, I wish. You need, you need but to yeah, get it up. <laughs> yeah, but um, I remember somebody else I rode with who uh, oh, he go. used to have to wear two pairs of pants because he was so he needed that much support. Yeah, did you check him out in the and shower was, as well? I didn't. I didn't. You stopped he, yourself from saying quite... massive there, didn't you? When you were well hung, <laughs> when you said he was so incredible. He was... I love the fact you remember yeah. all this. Well, your your mind was... is just full of like it's just banked full of rowing well, shower just, scenes. You're just scratching the surface. <laughs> I really <there>. am. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 I'll tell you what. I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to these tales from rowing in future episodes. It's a rich no, tapestry. It's a, it's a deep oh, well know. of. This uh, is going to become increasingly a psychiatrist uh, session. I think. <laughs> Question two, Matthew. Uh, when was the last time you brought new shoes or trainers? Another clothing-related mm. question there for you. I bought. I think I bought Joe. Can I include ones that I bought? Yeah, Joe, I mean, you bought them, so yeah. Should... So, so those are those are the ones that um, light up. Do you remember the ones? It was for my birthday. She wore them, yeah, uh, and they had a message running across the side of them, yeah, um, and uh, like, yeah, fuck off or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they had a message. It was a standard message, pre pre programmed. Mm. But somebody saw them and was like, "Oh, that's impressive. Can I Bluetooth my phone to your shoes and change the message to read something like my name or anything like that?" And she was like, "No, no. They're just <laughs> it's just that one message that." And is it that them. one message? Yeah, it is. Yeah. So every yeah. time you walk past like a Ladbrokes or something, it would say, "When the fun stops, stop." Yeah, that would be that would be yeah. nice. Or like yeah. literally, so it's just picking up adverts everywhere you go. You know, oh, the second be... you go past like a McDonald's, that annoying little stupid whistle thing that they play. I'm loving it or whatever, like that sort of shit. And oh. all that bollocks. Or Do, every time you go, does past... that play when you walk past? No, but I'm so talking like about if your sensor. shoes were picking up oh, from the yes, world around, then it would be that would, it would be yeah, a yeah, digital yeah. dumping marketer's dream, wouldn't it? They could just like zap <laughs> everyone. It, all the time, your own shoes are telling you to buy shit. Yeah, I do. Um, how do you think? What do you think of a top flight time machine? They're advertising Ladbrokes at the moment. I think. I think sometimes with um, podcasts, you are subjected to. If you put yourself up to advertising and they see you worthy of advertising, you don't even necessarily get a choice. They just they just drop the adverts in in your episode. So some of them they'll ask uh, you to actually do yourself. Like as in, you know, provide some sort of dialogue, um, and they haven't done it for that. They've just literally um, had uh, played it. the. It's like I think it was like M S had adverts playing on Al Qaeda YouTube videos or something. Did they? Uh, <laughs> this isn't just like a that. bomb. This is an Al Qaeda <laughs> bomb. Yeah. 
Good. Excellent. Uh, do it. I think. I think we. That's eleven minutes now. Uh, yeah. Don't worry, Matt. There's only one more question. Oh. Okay. Uh, and in fact, there is also a something <laughs> question. I mean, it's, it's, this is down to you, Matthew. You're the one taking a long time to answer these. <laughs> Matthew, what's your favourite insect? And for the purposes of this, I will include arachnids. Right. So is an arachnid not an insect? An arachnid is a spider. Yeah. A spider is an arachnid, not an insect. I think there is a difference. No, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Eight legs, four Um, legs, eight legs, four legs. (laughs) Is that part of it? It's an office reference, yeah. (laughs) Or eight legs, six Uh, legs. Yeah. uh, Butterfly? Yeah, you like a butterfly, do you? Yeah, that would be. But how do you feel about the moth, though? Uh, They. I was going to say they're related. I mean, they're obviously related somehow. They're, just dusty, they're not the dusty, same thing. They're the dusty they're cunt dusty. relatives, aren't they? They're, they're the dirty they're horrible fuckers. That, that you you, you, you swipe them away and they leave a horrible dusty pile everywhere they go. They're disgusting, big hairy fuckers. And then they've got these beautiful cousins who, you know, but they are essentially the same fucker, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah. No, Good. They must. Okay, interesting. You like butterflies. <laughs> Good. And I do have one fight, and this is a new uh, addition oh, to the uh, to the show. Uh, an opportunity for our listeners to uh, ask questions. Uh, this came in oh, from please do. This, yeah. So this came from anonymous. Oh, not for me. That's no, for you. Oh, yeah. Shit. This came from anonymous. Uh, Matt, you're such a fucking prick, and I hate listening to you. What's your fucking problem? <laughs> That came from Anonymous. Uh, so you did, would you like oh. to answer, answer that question? <laughs> what's, what's the question? What's your fucking yeah, problem? Yeah, Matt, you're such a fucking prick and I hate listening to you. What's your fucking problem? <laughs> I don't think we've got enough time to get into all of that. You don't that. want to answer I to mean, Anonymous, what's, what's your fucking problem? Probably, I mean, I guess I've touched upon the showers. Uh, a lot of, you know, interesting shower occurrences that mm. have probably contributed to to your problem. problems you're listening to the problems you're currently listening to yes good okay well good if you want to more, more, more qu- yeah. if you want to submit a question um that will get read to matthew in uh, an upcoming episode then tweet us at f unfocused that's at f unfocused do follow us on twitter we've got at least tens of listeners uh, of followers we? sorry well we've got 10 um and uh, so we yeah so please follow us on twitter send us a question and i will ask it to matthew no matter how inane it is yeah and if you want to voice record your message i think you possibly could send your yeah so you could get your voice on the uh on uh, you know on On the the airwaves yeah on the pod can you imagine that that is the dream isn't it (laughs) but if you know but equally i'll read it out uh if you are shy and just want to go go old school right matt have you noticed anything about football this week that you want to talk about? Mm, not any more than what I talked to you before we started recording. Which was what? Well, you've got Sky about... Sports at the moment, so you've actually been watching I football. Do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just watched the one on Monday. Sorry, uh, game on Monday. Jay... Yeah. Oh, game but Jay... on Monday, yeah. I Jay did... Um... Yeah, so it's currently Wednesday. Yes. We're recording on Wednesday. Mm, 24th uh, but Jay did ask me last week. She was like, "Why are you watching <clears throat> all this football?" Yeah, um, I don't think. And she didn't realise that we had Sky Sports, mm. and that I was trying to get my money's worth. 
I mean, not that I'm particularly interested, but I guess I'm like, oh. So you'll watch something that you're only semi-interested in just because it will mean you get your money's worth. Well, because it'll be gone. Yeah. It'll be gone in a week. Yeah, exactly. And then I won't be able to. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, no, so, so, no. Good. (laughs) I mean, so that I'm obviously not not hiding away from the subject, clearly, from my perspective, Monday night was not uh, massively enjoyable. Um. But it's just one of those things, you know, you lose. I mean, we we haven't lost to that shower in four years. Um, we beat them 9-0 last season across the two games and, and we are, you know, significantly better than them. But you but you can get stung. In a one-off game, you can get stung. I suppose looking at it, two things I, I, I guess that disappointing from a from the point of view of a Liverpool fan. Um, firstly is you're going in, you're playing your, your biggest rival historically if not in terms of current ability and standard. Um, and you're taking them at an absolutely low ebb when they've just been sort of humiliated in their first two games against Brighton and Brentford. They're on their knees. They've been, you know, they're, they're leaving out their um, vanity signing from last season, uh, you know, supposed greatest player in the world. And they're, they're, they're captains on the bench. And, you know, it's turmoil. And you've really got an opportunity just to, ensure that they don't gain any confidence and just go in and put in a masterful performance. And I thought, frankly, although, you know, clearly it would be churlish to deny that they played well above the level that they did in the first two games. I mean, but they didn't do anything different from what a lot of clubs try to do against Liverpool, which is essentially kind of sit off and then bang, hit us on the break. And they because they had the good sense to finally realise that Ronaldo was causing most of their problems and play quick, younger players up front, they were able to kind of get in, get in behind. And those sorts of things have caused this problem, caused Liverpool problem for uh, a number of years. That's really our weakness, even going back to how we lost the Champions League final, the goal we conceded, you know, getting in behind, not necessarily the best cover at the um, far post and, you know, Trent, even though he's an absolutely magnificent footballer and I wouldn't swap him for the world, he, if there's a weakness to his game, which is a bizarre thing to say for a defender, but it is his defending. He does have a tendency to switch off. But but from from a Liverpool perspective, I, I mean I you know, I'm not I'm not one of the more reactionary fans. I don't um throw my toys out the pram. I try and um take every result with a sense of perspective and I'm still thinking that this has been an amazing period of time. To support the club, but we were absolutely pathetic on Monday, and I was, I was not happy at all because I think if you go into a game like that, you can forgive people who are a little bit under par. You can forgive people who um, are kind of you know trying their best, and they maybe mislay a pass, they get caught in possession, um, miss a chance, whatever you know, led in a goal. But I find it really difficult to understand how high-quality, high-achieving, experienced um, foot professional footballers can be caught so obviously with their pants down in the first 10 or 15 minutes of the game, in a game like that. You know, they go in, they've, they've been in that situation so many times and they just looked so shell-shocked. It was pathetic. And it's not actually completely isolated to that game because the same thing happened to them at Fulham in the first match of the season. Fulham, and this is what I'm talking about, the the similarity. And I'm not using this 
as a comparison just to have a pop at um, our biggest rivals and sort of, you know, but, but, but the stats from the other night were, I think we had 70% of the ball. We had more touches in the opposition box than they, than any, than any team that has gone to Old Trafford as the away team, I think since they've been recording statistics. Um, and all of the metrics suggest, you know, we were well on top, except for the fact that they beat us uh, 2-1 and they deserve to beat us. And this is, this is the thing. And what teams that know that they can't handle, or, you know, they can't try and play us at our own game do, is they sit deep and uh, give us absolutely no time and space in possession and then try and sting us on the break. And that's essentially what happened the other night. And whether or not, you know, it's going to be quite interesting to see now that they've got a manager who's actually had the balls to um, to make the big decisions, leave out the people who needs to be leave out, and to you know attempt now to rebuild the side. It's going to be interesting to see whether the improvement that was shown on Monday night is kind of sustainable and applicable in the matches against the smaller clubs, where you know you're not as pumped up and you're going to actually be required to have some possession. Um, because where they've struggled in those, in their first two games against uh, Brighton and particularly against Brentford is they had lots and lots of the ball, but they're not sort of good enough, incisive enough, inventive enough, confident enough to do anything with it. And they look completely meek. Whereas against Liverpool, they were able to sit in, let us have the ball and kind of, um, you know, play to their strengths in terms of hits. But there'll be a lot of games this season when they're playing weaker teams, particularly at home, where that won't be an option. They're going to be expected to take the game to the opposition. And uh, so that, but, but, you know, there's no doubt that they were significantly better. But we, I mean, we were so bad. And there are, there are actually things that, I mean, some Liverpool fans, which I just cannot get on board with, are like being so over the top in their negativity and, and concern at the beginning of the season that, you know, like you said, it's three games in. Just calm the fuck down. We've just had an unbelievable season uh, last season. And, and other than the, the sort of lockdown one, even then we sort of rescued things. The last five years have just been unbelievable. You know, three Champions League finals, uh, a league title and missing out on the title on another two occasions by a point. Getting over 90 points in pretty much every season, um, which is more than uh, pretty much any team had previously done in history, even when they won the league. So, you know, the, the the standards are unbelievable. And I suppose that's why people panic a little bit when you start sluggishly. I think where Liverpool could get caught out this season is the lack of um, quality in terms of strength and depth a little bit, because at the moment they are missing... Uh, not, I mean, we are genuinely missing nine players through injury, and that's not the reason we lost the other night, but it certainly doesn't help, you know, key players as well, particularly um, Thiago. And then that uh, <laughs> new signing got, gets himself suspended for three games with an act of absolute petulance. Sort of pathetic. He can't, you know, if he's going to work over here, he can't carry on doing that. So let's hope he's sitting in the stand, realising that our lack of penetration up front is largely to do with his absence and uh, learns from that, feels sufficiently guilty and comes back and sort of repays um uh, the club for the investment they've made in him. But the, the midfield, any Liverpool fan you speak to will talk about the midfield as the big problem area because although individuals in other positions, even the great Virgil, who's sort of been infallible for the last um, five years, uh, has had a slow start. But the midfield is really where our problems lie because we, we genuinely do lack a bit of creativity. The way that Liverpool play is that because they play three very much attacking players, two wide and one down the middle, then and 
attacking players flying down from fullback as well, that gives you sort of five, at any one time you've got five players then who are very much attack minded. And as a result of that, at the, our system requires the midfield to be a little bit less ambitious than they would in other systems. So it doesn't matter so much if you don't have someone like really dynamic and sort of scoring, you know, 10 goals a season from centre midfield that other clubs and other systems would require. But what you do need is maybe a little bit more legs and maybe a little bit more creativity than what we've got. And I, much as I absolutely love um, James Milner, you know, when you're going into an away game, uh, you're relying on a 35 year old and, and a very, a very reliable and brilliant, but standard kind of footballer who's never even at his absolute best been the sort of you know a, a, a game-changing player and you're kind of relying on that and then Jordan Henderson who you know again certain type of people give him uh, a lot of stick despite being one of the most successful captains in the history of the club um, but he again is he's, he's somebody who will do a job for you but he's not gonna he's not kind of changing the game and then Harvey Elliott a 19 year old as the only kind of progressive one out of those three you're putting a lot of pressure on the young boy to kind of be the spark so we need you know I, I think it is a bit disappointing to see that Liverpool haven't invested in the centre midfielder this summer but I, I think I know what they're doing I think that they're holding out to get Jude Bellingham and they think that they've got a much better chance of getting him next summer and they're prepared to wait in exactly the same way as they waited to get Virgil van Dijk um, back in 2018 so I thought um it, at one point, I thought Milner and Van Dyke were going to come to, oh, rough, come to yeah, plays. Yeah. I don't mind that though. I thought that was that was actually quite good to see because Virgil, <laughs> well, Virgil, was, Virgil <laughs> was pretty poor in terms of the goal that, that goal that we conceded because he he kind of stood in one stationary position in the box with his arms behind his back, didn't anticipate that the near post was left completely unguarded, and was more bothered about not being in a position to give away a handball. So he neither communicated with the people around him nor anticipated a movement of the attackers. Um, and James Milner's looking at it saying, okay, well, he's gone. He's seen a guy about to put the ball into an empty net. He's gone lunging in, possibly over lunge, to be honest. He, I think maybe he could have been a little bit more composed. But from his perspective, he's lunging in. He's then on mm. the ground looking up and Virgil's not moved. Virgil's just kind of stood in this stationary position and then the ball's just easily and calmly slotted in. Credit to Sancho for having the wherewithal to finish mm. it like that. But, um, yeah, I don't mind at all seeing them because, you know, they're not, they're not calling each other out in terms of, you know, it's not like festering resentment that's being spilled onto the pitch. This is like they're winners and they are pissed off that, you know, yeah. they're just letting an avoidable goal. And, you know, I don't, I don't mind that. So, you know, some of the best mm. teams in history have, have had players on the pitch who, I mean, you only have to look at them, Ravers. Yeah, well, exactly. Newcastle. Do you remember Blackburn and uh, Batty and Lasso? I mean, that was totally different. <laughs> they, they were actually punching each other, but uh, and obviously Dyer <laughs> and um, Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowyer yeah, at Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> what a great, great occasion that was. Under the management, yeah. under the calm and reasonable management of Graham Souness as well. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so we done Mon- we did Monday. Yeah, so that's that, and it's just you know, I, I guess uh, from a Liverpool perspective, just see how the next um, you know this um, season, the way it's constructed, leading up to the break for the World Cup in mid-November, it's so mental 
the schedule is absolutely crazy. So the one the one benefit of that is if you have a bad result, you've got another one coming up uh, pretty soon to kind of you know sort of put that right. But the amount of games now, because the Champions League draw is on Friday, so by the time this comes out, that will be either a day before or a few days before. But as we record this now, it's two days away, and because the all the group games need to be played before the World Cup, they're essentially all being played within a kind of six seven week block which is you know usually they'll have a week on week off up taking you up until early to mid-december so none of that this year as well as having to play two rounds of midweek premier league games um, before mid-november as well or maybe three rounds i think it is three rounds so it, there is literally a game for all of the top flight teams uh every three four days for you know nearly four months now which is uh going to be testing and if you start picking up injuries and you know players start losing form then that's uh what what it means could happen is that things can either run away from you or you can run away from things much more quickly than would be the case in a normal season i would i always traditionally find the beginning of the season quite frustrating because you just start getting into your rhythm you have two or three games then there's usually an international break in early september and another one in early october and you're always kind of um, stop, start, stop, start, two games, and then, like, you know, essentially then it's two weeks without a match. Um, that's not happening this year. I think there's one international break towards the end of September for the last chance for countries to have their um, pre-World Cup friendly or whatever, or a Nations League game, whatever they're doing. Uh, and then that's it. So it is it is going to be a really um, full-on time. But I just... Um, in terms of the non-Liverpool stuff that has been played so far this season, it's worth commenting <laughs> on how well Arsenal are doing. Um, they seem, and it's quite interesting that it's all happening at the same time as they've dropped. They're the latest to do the Amazon documentary, aren't they? The, um, the these all or nothing. Oh things. yeah. Oh, what is all or nothing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and what what I find fascinating about it is that the content from that started to come out just before the season started, and there were some clips from that where Arteta was being mocked. For example, he before a trip to Anfield last November, he took the players out into the training ground and had big speakers put around the pitch where they were blasting the cops singing You'll Never Walk Alone at him to try and replicate the intimidating atmosphere and so that his players could deal with it. So quite a bizarre move, to be honest. And <laughs> hilariously, they ended up losing the game 4-0. Um, but <laughs> because that clip broke, along with a few other things, and the fact that Arteta... You know, Arsenal had a bit of a, you know, disappointing end to last season. They, they were basically in a prime position to get Champions League football through it away. It was all becoming part of this narrative to almost mock Arteta. And then three games in, now the clips that get circulated are ones that make him look much more impressive and kind of feeding into the narrative that this is the guy who's turning Arsenal around. Look, we were right to trust in him all along. He's a genius. He worked with Guardiola. Blah, blah. And it just shows you the, the fickle nature of uh, people who follow football, particularly on social media. I know it's futile complaining about that because it's never going to change. But but I've, you know, as somebody who tries to be a little bit more reasonable and reflective on these things, I've always thought that Arteta, since he went there, has got potential to be a really excellent manager. And I think that the up and down nature of their form over the last kind of couple of years, two years, I think it is since he won the FA Cup in that, in that, at the end of that first season where he really seems to have quite a dramatic impact on them. And then it's been maybe a bit more up and down, but I think that is a reflection of just how big that job was when he took it. They needed a complete overhaul and they've had, in my opinion, in terms of the way that they approached the game, they've had a real cultural problem 
for for a while now in that they seem to get into this sort of malaise. They had really, really soft underbelly. They were typically sort of um, brittle away from home in particular. Never really landed a blow when they came up against the, the, the um, better teams. And they seem to be changing. Now, admittedly, they've not necessarily had the most testing of their first three games, but... They look good. They look really, really good. Gabriel Jesus looks like a brilliant signing. When you get people like Jesus and Zinchenko in there as well, they're people who are used to winning, so that that will bring that kind of winning mentality into there. At the same time, they've got young players who are just getting better and better each year. They've brought a lad back, Saliba, who they um, owned all along. And actually, I mean, I suppose some people could argue, why the hell were you loaning him out to Marseille when you could have had this really good-looking centre-back in your team when you were struggling the last couple of years? But I suppose they would... Um, their retort would be, well, the only reason is this good is because we gave them the experience of being out on loan. So, you know, fair enough. So they look really good. And it's going to be really interesting to see as they get some more challenging fixtures over the next few weeks, how they go. Obviously, Spurs are looking decent. I would say that maybe their performances haven't been quite as eye-catching as Arsenal, but in typical sort of Conte fashion, they've um, they've won. And I think, you know, they are <laughs> going to be good. I do think they're going to be good. Yeah, it's interesting... Um, so I watched the Chelsea. I don't think, yeah, we didn't record an episode last week. And no, Chelsea so since there. the hair pulling game, yeah, what a match. Yeah, and um, it was quite a contrast, sort of watching the women's Euros and then watching <laughs> and then that. just the English yeah. and then just the managers the going yeah. at each other. Just, oh, I know, that was a bit, but, I, but Matt, I know it's pathetic and I know there's, you know, some bits about you just think, oh, come on, but isn't it, isn't it fucking brilliant? It's, it's so good. <laughs> that bit's at the end where they're all kicking off in their silly little argument over a handshake and Tuchel's giving yeah, the whole look yeah, into yeah. my eyes thing. <laughs> it, it, that's what you want, to, and it's all kicking off, and it, it's brilliant. I love it when it kicks off. <laughs> it sets an awful yeah. example, and it is, it is, you know, yeah. childish. But come on, man. It was. Um, I won't deny my my schoolboy instinct that it was yeah, funny. bundle, bundle. <laughs> But yeah, it was a contrast to only a couple of weeks previous. Yeah, but 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 the thing is, Spurs now. I mean, because Spurs are not a team. I don't think Spurs. I think quite unfairly actually get labelled. You know, people love to knock out. So much of it stems back to the the famous anecdote in Roy Keane's book um, when he uh, told the story about. I think it was the year they won the treble in '99 by getting uh, under 80 points and winning the league. Wouldn't happen these days. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, and they needed to beat Tottenham, um, Tottenham at home in the last game of the season. And I think Ferguson did something like walk into the changing room and said, come on, it's Tottenham. Uh, and Keane, <laughs> you know. No, no tactics. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like the idea of them, you know. And I think Tottenham actually went ahead in that game. But anyway, um, uh, and, and I think because of that and the fact that they haven't won a huge amount of trophies in the last sort of 30 odd years, um, they get this kind of soft underbelly thrown at them as well. But I actually think with them, then they are a team that have played with sort of spirit and, you know, they, they, I mean, they're relatively physical. They hold their own. They're not, up, they're always up for a scrap. Years ago under Potch, the, the famous game at, um, at Stamford Bridge, when it was all kicking off, where the, the night that Chelsea handed Leicester the league time. So I think, uh, you know, Tottenham are, you know, possibly in the past, they've come so close to some really notable achievements. And I think that the thing maybe they've possibly lacked is that the quality of player in terms of like the depth of the squad has maybe been just a little bit under what their opponents have had. 
Um, but now they they seem to have a, a you know good squad depth and crucially an absolute winner of a manager. Now I don't think I think it's fair to say he's unlikely to be there in three four years time. But in the time you've got him, you know if Tottenham are going to win a trophy, now's the time that they will will do it. I'd I'd, mm. I'd put some decent money on them achieving something this season. Um, so I th- <laughs> I actually think it's shaping up. Aside from my you know concerns about Liverpool, put that aside. Just objectively, I think it's actually shaping up to a really good season because Chelsea have had a wobbly start and it, and no one really knows kind of what's going to happen there. Um, you know they go and look. Uh, they, I thought they were quite poor against Everton and beat them with a penalty. They then obviously had the Tottenham game when they played really well but threw away a lead and then uh, got smashed by Leeds. Um, so who knows kind of where they're going. So there's a lot of teams who are kind of, who appear to be, again, the caveat it is only based on the first three games, but appear to be in a kind of bit of flux. Um, and it's always good when the promoted teams, it's always a little bit depressing when they come up and just start getting hammered straight away, but they've all been <laughs> picking up some points, which is a, a good thing. I, I, I suspect of them, Bournemouth will probably struggle the most, but who knows? We've got them this weekend, so that'll be three points for the Cherries. Eh? Um, but uh, the Cherries are Bournemouth, by the way, Matt, in case you didn't pick that up. Uh, but, Thanks for clarifying. But yeah, but Fulham and um, Forest in particular have looked um, have looked pretty steady. So I would be a bit concerned if I was never and fan again. I know everything will be all right under Frank, uh, you know, because you know he's the world's greatest manager. But uh, they have. They've gone from surviving by the skin of their teeth last season and then losing probably their best player, Richarlison, over the summer and not really signing that much quality um, and starting the season with only one point. So, yeah, uh, I think that they should be... And something is going on at Leicester as well. Oh, quick, just quickly, by the way, before I say Leicester... Um, Deli Alley appears to be on the verge, having only joined Everton in January possibly going and playing in Turkey for Besiktas. And I, I, I think we've mentioned it before on this podcast, haven't we, how it, the, the bafflement <laughs> as to what has, what has gone on there. I would love to get to the bottom of this because he's genuinely... If you'd said three years ago, this time three years ago, that Deli Ali would, would move from Tottenham to Everton and then to Besiktas in the space of seven or eight months. And during that time at Everton, barely get a kick anyway because he's so out of favour. You'd 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 win a lot of money betting on that, and I I I cannot for the life of me. It must be something personal, but he has just fallen off a cliff, and it's quite sad to see. And you know, in in one World Cup cycle, he's gone from being the guy that the, the team's almost built around. So I mean, he, he's not going to have a you know a hope in hell of getting in that squad. And Le- Leicester, similarly, just in terms of a club deterioration rather than an individual deterioration, something is going on there as well. I think they're the only club in um, the five top domestic European leagues that haven't signed an outfield player. I mean, that's unbelievable. My understanding is that they've invested really heavily in expanding the stadium and a brand new state-of-the-art training ground. That combined with the fact they've been kind of punching over above their weight the last few years and this year haven't qualified for Europe, so don't have any of that extra revenue coming in, means to meet financial fair play, they have to kind of cut their cloth accordingly. Um, but they've lost, you know, they even lost Casper Schmeichel, who's one of the sort of tight, one of the few title winners that were left there and has been at the club for about 10 or 12 years. So they seem to be kind of losing their identity and their purpose a little bit. And I wouldn't, and Brendan Rodgers seems to be the favourite to get the, be the first Premier League manager to either leave or get sacked, uh, this season. So, um, something, something's on, something's up at Leicester. It's sad to see because I think a lot of neutrals got a little soft spot for Leicester because they've been the kind of, you know, 
the, the plucky overachieving underdog for quite a few years. So they are the notable things uh, at the beginning of this season. Um, and yeah, it's shaping up nicely. And just one very, very uh, quick thing outside of the Premier League, because there is football outside the Premier League, you know, Matt. Goodness sake, you're so obsessed with the Premier League. Um, uh, Liverpool might not be going well, but my 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 other two uh, teams, that I, I one in particular that I like to see do well, Ipswich Town and Leighton Orient, both top of their uh, respective divisions, League One and League Two. So uh, long may that continue. And uh, you know, if things go badly, I can just get a season ticket at Brisbane Road and uh, start going, going up the Orient. Yeah. Great. Can we finish? Yeah, now? we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on that rubbish content bombshell, it's time to say goodbye this week from Football Unfocused. See you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.